Hey everyone, Danny and Izzy here. Just a little heads up before you bless your ears with this episode. This episode was the first recording we ever did for this podcast, so the audio is a bit rough in some places. However, the content and conversation, as always, is top-notch. We hope you enjoyed the episode, and to all the boys who never loved us back, you missed out. And welcome to the first official episode of Are You There, Love? It's us, Danny and Izzy. Uh, we're really excited to start this today. So obviously, if you couldn't tell, I'm Danny. Uh, Izzy calls me Danielle. A lot of people do, but I also go by Danny. So I thought I'd jazz it up. So hey. Hey, it's Izzy. Yeah, I'm Izzy. That's my name. Don't wear it out. Anyways, um, so what are we talking about today, Danielle? Do you want to enlighten us? Thanks for asking. Uh, so today our theme is first crushes and unrequited love, the perfect segue from our intro episode, regaling our encounters with relationships and love. Um, and we're specifically going to be talking about the book To All the Boys I've Loved Before by Jenny Han and focusing in on the relationship between Lara Jean and Peter Kay um, with a sprinkle of Josh and for Izzy, a sprig of John Ambrose McLaren because he is her boy. So the first thing we're going to touch on is obviously a nice summary of the book, which Izzy is going to read from Goodreads for those of us who have not read this book. Yes. Um, and I just came really like, this isn't our own words. This is the Goodreads summary of the book. Um, we are not that skilled at writing very short summaries, as you will see by the words that we speak today. So According to Goodreads, to all the boys I've loved before, is the story of Lara Jean, who has never openly admitted her crushes, but instead wrote each boy a letter about how she feels, sealed it, and hid it in a box under her bed. But one day, Lara Jean discovers that somehow her secret box of letters has been mailed, causing all her crushes from her past to confront her about the letters, her first kiss, the boy from summer camp, even her sister's ex-boyfriend, Josh. As she learns to deal with her past loves face-to-face, Lara Jean discovers that something good may come out of these letters after all. Woo! Uh, so um, from here on out, if you have not read the book or watched the movie, uh, spoiler warning, we are probably going to be spoiling things for you. Uh, we're going to be diving into quotes, talking about how it relates to the book and our lives. I want to give not a content warning, but a heads up that Danielle and I both identify as heterosexual. We are both cisgender and there are some different perspectives that other people might have about this topic that, uh, but we are just speaking from solely from our experiences. As a person, I am biracial. So I do connect with Laura Jean on this shared experience of being biracial and how that experience kind of affects her journey. So we just want to give like a quick heads up before we dive into the books. Yes. Yeah, just going forward, we're always gonna try to include, not try, we will include a contact warning um, for what we're talking about. And of course, spoiler alerts, we're talking about quotes, direct references. And just, we're really trying to crack open this conversation for ourselves but also maybe for other people to think about these books and things we love in different lights and maybe it's how how it's affected them and yeah so let's dive right in Woo. 
talking about the theme unrequited love and first crushes uh so i think we chose especially as a first episode uh unrequited love crushes young love that is just something everyone has experience with um and this book perfectly represents it and just what it means basically to be young and experiencing those first types of deep romantic emotions for the first time and I think for me what really connects here is that those first crushes those special moments those are just beautifully executed by Jenny Han and Lara Jean as a character and I mean basically she's just an all-around good representation of like this idealism that comes with young love and also kind of the deeper emotions and complicated emotions that come with love being unrequited. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I mean, I think this topic's really resonant for a lot of people. Personally, I find myself that when I first read this book, um, I guess probably three years ago now, throughout my life, uh, we've all had crushes. I've had crushes. They were unrequited. I either harbored them forever, um, which is exemplified by Lara Jean really just writing these letters and kind of trying to expel these feelings from her body and never thinking about them again. But with that, not really taking action to get some closure, all that jazz, and just the intensity of first crushes. I've personally experienced, of course, crushes, but I have built up walls like many people. Um, so when I really do like someone, it's really an all-encompassing kind of overwhelming feeling sometimes and Jenny Han perfectly captures that, especially for such a young, with a young character, I feel that Lara Jean is very wise and pretty mature for her age, but also trying to navigate this new terrain of love and trying to figure out what she wants and finding herself and her identity. Yeah, I think kind of a theme and a characteristic about Lara Jean is that she's kind of an old woman and a young person's body and I think that kind of perfectly cross-sects this these types of feelings and like perspectives that Lara Jean has towards love and I think that you see her growth about kind of this idealized version of love and first Mm -hmm. crushes uh, throughout the book become more realistic to her life and her experience thought it'd be a great way to dive into um, all the books we're going to be talking about by going with some quotes. Um, In preparation, we're going to give you some background, read the direct quote we liked, um, and we picked it out not only because it's relevant and progresses the plot line for the character, in this case, Lara Jean and her crushes and relationships, but also because we found it resonant to our own lives and how we've experienced love in the past or feelings or crushes, whatever you want to call it. We will not be giving you page numbers just because there are so many editions of books out there, specifically with All the Boys I Loved Before. There's the movie tie-in, there's the regular first edition, all that jazz. So it'll be a scavenger hunt for you to find if you really want to go scout out these quotes. So let's get started. Um, So the first quote I actually picked, it is on, I guess you would call it the prologue. It's not really labeled, doesn't have a page number. And it starts off with Lara Jean explaining why she's writing these love letters that she keeps in the hat box in her closet that aren't meant to go out anywhere. Um, She says it helps her expel these feelings. She writes out um, these feelings of love she has for these guys, why she likes them, 
language really stuck out to me personally. I guess you would consider it a love language. It doesn't even have to be in regards to romance. Um, it could be for platonic friendships too. All that jazz puts it away for eternity. Um, and then she says that they're not love letters in the strictest sense of the word. My letters are for when I don't want to be in love anymore. They're for a goodbye because after I write my letter, I'm no longer consumed by my all-consuming love. I can eat my cereal and not wonder if he likes bananas over his Cheerios too. I can sing along to love songs and not be singing them to him. If love is like a possession, maybe my letters are like my exorcisms. My letters set me free, or at least they're supposed to. Um, and I picked that one specifically, the part where she says, I can sing along to love songs and not be singing them <laughs> to him. I'm an aspiring entertainment industry professional. I love music. If you find me not talking to a person, I'm listening to music. Uh, so when we're really close, when I really enjoy your company, all that jazz, I will be sending you Spotify links. I will send you songs. <laughs> I think you like, like, that's just me. Um, so in the past, when I've had friendship breakups or unrequited feelings, all that jazz, and there were songs that kind of meant a lot to me or this person, we'd sing them along together. We both enjoyed them. Things kind of go sour, hear these things. And I'm like, oh man, now I'm sad and I can't enjoy this anymore. Laura Jean's letters are a way to kind of get that out there and enjoy these things again and not make them synonymous with a person. And I think that's really cool and great. And I personally journal and that's kind of how I get my feelings out. And it just feels really freeing when you get to that point of hearing things again, seeing things, and it brings you joy again, instead of reminding you of these negative feelings. And you could look back on that experience and go, wow, in this case, like, you know, me and said person really enjoyed this song. And like, I'm happy we had those times together. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I'm not an aspiring entertainment industry <laughs> professional. But I think in a similar way that these letters are very much a coping mechanism for Laura Jean's unrequited love for her crushes. And that type of essentialism of her love being like, dramatic, all-consuming. I love that because that's very much how you feel when you are first interested in a person. I think that beautifully kind of introduces us to Larjean and kind of this uh, issue that we will see later on in the book as well, this like compartmentalization of her feelings and like this kind of like she only can communicate through these letters in a certain way and it's romantic and but also it's can be, I don't say problematic, but there's like issues within her personal communication and this sort of innocence and lack of maturity when it comes to love that I feel like these love letters highlight as well. Mm -hmm. And it's all throughout the book, she grows and you kind of see that and you know, you sense she has this idealized version of love from just the way mm -hmm. um, she talks yeah. about the way she words things and the way she thinks about things, which we'll get into. But it's, yeah, it's just really interesting to see her growth as a character. <laughs> yeah, and like this sort of like sentiment, like the um the the part that says like what I really love about this sort of introduction to the book is this like all-consuming factor because I feel like that's what Laura Jean struggles with in this book is this how to have balance in her life and growth and. I said when you're talking about like your first crush like I was all in it was just yeah 
consuming whatever. It's all you think about. It's, it is. And even with the crushes I have now, I, and it's, I think it's also made worse by social media where you can stalk them like 24 seven, but like that sort of all consuming love is, it's such a young perspective on love and not even young, but like it can carry out first interest in people, like, et cetera. I just, oh, I just love it. It's just so pure and innocent, but also not unique to Georgina as a character or like that notion of young love. What yeah, was- I think Jenny Han does a great job of capturing those first like real feelings because obviously like everybody has crushes, but when it becomes, she says love, she learns what love is throughout the book, but it kind of just encapsulates intensity how it feels like when you're in middle school high school and like you don't know what to do with these feelings like what are you supposed to do like everything's dramatic everything's heightened and it's just perfectly captured so yeah another scene that like kind of not in um this book but kind of emulates larging sentiments uh in, in hairspray they have the the song I can hear the bells which is just the main character saying about how she's going to marry her crush and I it's a little bit of a divergent but I feel like those are in similar veins where it's like this kind of I remember walking down the hallways of school seeing my crush trying to like like literally in my bubble in my head keep they were he was all that I like was thinking about even yeah. now in my personal life like this all-consuming crush that I have right now and we'll They'll still hear more about this person yeah uh, throughout the it's series so funny you brought up hairspray because i was literally listening to i can hear the bells yesterday and like, <laughs> is one of my favorite movies as he knows that yeah um, but yeah again that's another high school set um, pop culture piece of media <laughs> that yeah just shows like when you're young and it's there that's all you think about and it's, it's like idealized and dramatized it's just yeah pure and innocent and I think it's one of the best and worst experiences um, yeah go through as a young person next quote um this is an Izzy selection uh but it's really funny because we were going through we both read this book a while ago so prior to this recording we breezed through and like refreshed ourselves on the occurrences of the book to kind of hand pick quotes out and uh, Izzy and I picked a few of the same quotes without <laughs> even knowing it. Um, so that just shows how much relatable content there is, at least for us. Izzy, take it away. Yes. So these, uh, I'm going to read three quotes back to back. And these are all in the beginning of the book when Lara Jean is first introducing us to Josh, her relationship with Josh, who is their neighbor. And friend of the family but also Margot's boyfriend then a little bit later ex-boyfriend and this just describes that Josh was her first kind of all-consuming crush I mean she's had other crushes but this one was the most pivotal for her thus of her crushes so this just describes a little bit background about Largine's relationship with Josh so the Margot by the way is also um Largine's sister yes uh Sorry, had to No, that was very important. Um, okay, so what it must be like to have a boy like you so much he cries for you and not just any boy, Josh, our Josh. And then the second quote is, honestly, I didn't want to know. It wasn't me. That was all I cared about. I didn't think for one second that the girl he liked was Margot. And then the last one that night I wrote my first letter to Josh. Dear Josh, 
I cried a lot, just like that, it was over. It was over before I even had a chance. So with these three quotes, it's very, very well, not personal to me, but it's kind of that first heartbreak or this first, like this, I feel like this unrequited notion comes into play a lot here that, um, so kind of what happens is that Laura Jean likes Josh and then she realizes that Josh likes her sister and then eventually starts dating her sister and like she's completely heartbroken and she starts writing and like, crying and like credit all these feelings out and just I can relate like a lot being because all my crushes have been mostly unrequited and that kind of also experiencing I don't want to say experiencing first heartbreak but something similar to that in my youth Ugh, my youth and that it just it just hits like a soft spot where you like first cry over a person you were interested in romantically or that type of kind of you especially with the last quote it was over before I even had a chance like that kind of notion of like you're missing out on something uh no yeah I, I feel like especially I mean um again obviously intense feelings here and I was just I saw these specifically and like felt the same sentiments as Z in the sense where it's like all consuming like that's what you wanted and like now it's like not there but I think it's really interesting to analyze the quotes what must it be like to have a boy like you so much he cries for you and then four pages later she's talking about how she cried a lot and it was over before she even had a chance and it's like interesting to look at those together um, I have always wanted, or everybody kind of wants that person they really like to feel those feelings, like mm-hmm. intense feelings for them. But the first thought I wouldn't, I would not want them to have is like crying over me. I would hope that it'd just be reciprocated love feelings and they would just feel these intense, positive, romantic feelings towards me. Yeah. Um, the first quote is talking about breaking up with Josh and Josh crying about. Is it? Yeah. Anyway, uh, I mean, it still relates though, like in terms of whether it's like Laura Jean and Josh or Margot and Josh, like it's just something so say fulfilling, but just something like kind of makes you feel validated, comforted, whatever mm-hmm. about having someone experience these intense emotions over you and like yeah I mean it's like flattering is not the right word but like it kind of is like no I think it it, it is so strongly for you yeah no I think it's valid I mean I've cried over relationships whether it's romantic or friendships and I think yeah it just shows like how emotionally invested I was and sometimes and I've had people cry over things that I've said uh that also for someone who kind of is insecure about a lot of relationships in her life that that's kind of validating for me and I, but I think for Laura, that they cared. yeah and I think for Laura Jean that sort of like I would never make you cry I would never do this I'm better than yeah. her being Margot her sister but yeah. I think that is also that comes with a kind of love being unrequited like right now my a crush that I have is with someone else and I'm like I would never do that I would never be her in a very like very um I don't want to be like oh I'm against or antagonizing women but at the same time I'm at the same time, I'm like, what does she have that I don't have? I would never yeah. make you feel this. Lara Jean saying she, like, was crying and, like, it was over before she even had a chance. Like, girl, I felt that. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> I was like, yeah, because a lot of people, I mean, think it's, like, when you have a crush, especially in, like, middle school when you're still, like, shy little dweebs. Sorry, for everyone who's in middle school. But, like, you're shy and secure. For me, it was just 
like I never told a crush I like explicitly had a crush on them and then life kind of just happened either I stopped crushing on them or they found different people blah blah yeah and I'm like well it was literally it was over before I even had a chance I never took a chance and I don't know whether that's for good or for bad or me just being super insecure about being vulnerable but I feel like that can you kind of resonate yeah. And it's just so relatable because like, yeah, like I felt that way, like three years old, but deep down, I still have this like subconscious mentality. Like, oh my God, if my crush finds out, like I'm going to be so embarrassed. Oh, like, yeah, completely. I would die of embarrassment, even though it's nothing to be embarrassed about, but it's yeah, it's just like that. an innate feeling. It's something you're socialized to feel. Yeah. And like put yourself out there. There's always a risk of rejection. And like, as humans, sometimes we think the worst instead of being like, I could put myself out there and it could be great. But like, especially when she's like, it was over before I even had a chance. Like, it's equally as heartbreaking when you never take that chance. Like, there's, I feel like yeah. that also there's like, it just seems like there's no like way because I mean, we've never had the experience of like person tell us like, oh, they have a crush on us or kind of like that reciprocation of our feelings. And so for us, I feel like it very much is the two roads of like one, you'll either get rejected if you say anything and be vulnerable, or two, like you feel sad that you never took that leap in the first place. And I yeah. That sort of never taking that leap or that chance is peak Laura Jean. Yeah. And it's always, I'm always like a what if kind of person. Like mm-hmm. if I did this differently, if I said something, if I said something sooner, like would this have been different? And that's also like, then again, relating to your previous commentary on like, why not me? Like in the recent uh, history, I have definitely had this thought across uh, my mind. Um do you think about the potential and how great it could have been then you think about like oh the tables were turned like I don't know like would they have tried harder like who knows should what should I have tried harder um and you think it is what it is and we'll get into it later but I personally believe mostly everything happens for a reason so I think I'm that I don't know if it's optimism or just I'm more uh, you'll definitely see I'm very more realistic pragmatic person everything happens for a reason I think there's a lot of like universal stuff in that but I don't know but we'll see I mean Laura Jean's definitely more of a I don't want to say she's an optimist but I think she's a realist with the heart of an optimist where it's like she she knows her situation she knows the reality of like her position her insecurities her faults but she very much has this like wishful nature that I feel like a lot of optimism entails so yeah she definitely combination yeah it definitely like all of romanticism uh just because she's always wanted these things and holds love and the idea of love close to her heart but she's also not be she's not ignorant and like we see that throughout the book and how she deals with things and sees situations next quote prior to his deal with Lara Jean to pretend they're dating um, he was dating Genevieve, Jen, um, for a very long time, uh, very long time in middle high school years. They were dating right. for a while. This quote is relating to Lara Jean kind of um, analyzing their prior relationship and how it's acted Peter. And she says, I wonder what it's like to have that much power over, bo- over a boy. I don't think I'd want it. It's a lot of responsibility to hold a person's heart in your hands. And she's saying that in regards to Jen, even though her and Peter are broken up, she still has this power over him 
and he'll still like they're broken up but he'll still go to her and help her with situations and like to her and be there for her just because of their history and me and Izzy took two really different takes on this which I find interesting and I kind of saw this thing in my life as a whole with people my age around my age and Izzy's age 23 24 early 20s throughout your 20s and also our modern age of dating and how at this age in our lives like so much is happening in regards to romance many people are looking for different things there are still people in the phase of like casual flings and hookups which is totally cool and then there's other people who are looking for something more serious wanting to settle down you know get a stable partner like boyfriend girlfriend whatever saw this quote in the light of maybe someone like me or presumably Izzy or Lara Jean who wants something more than physicality something more than temporary satisfaction and getting involved with someone who they're just looking for something casual and they have this power over you your heart's in their hands and then they can just open this door and leave when they want because the investment isn't as much there as it is on your end and that's just like kind of kind of really actually heartbreaking sometimes <laughs> yeah yeah with this quote I think that dynamics of that person I think is such an ego boost and I feel like this more highlights the qualities that Laura Jean doesn't have because she's saying I wonder what it's like that sort of connection of like not being a magnet towards like crush it or be a magnet towards other people being interested in them like that's what I can relate with like never being that type of person who can have a power over someone else and whether that power is good or bad I think that's debatable but I feel like the notion of like wanting to be this like tired person is very prevalent uh to me in my life I think Laura Jean doesn't really want she wants to, I think Largine thinks about it a little bit differently. Largine wants to be desired by this one special person. She doesn't really care. She's desired by all. I think when I was growing up, it was very much, I really wanted to be popular and I was not. And I think that's kind of where we differ, but that's how I kind of see this is that, uh, that type of, at least you want that experience of being desired and what that power holds. Jen having that power over Peter being very manipulative and uh, I would very toxic in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I have like issues with crushes and I feel like maybe taking that chance of rejection or not is because of that power dynamics is I feel like these my crushes have so much power over me and my emotions because I'm so into them that kind of scary and you know that's feel like that's why I don't do anything about it and like that fear and insecurity that comes with having a power over someone is just I mean it's super scary especially when you're young and and like she's always had this kind of competition and sin with Jen that they're I don't want to say they're parallels of each other but like they're just very and um, like sides of similar people but I feel like at their core they're kind of kindred spirits because Jen's kind of toxic but I see similar qualities in them yeah I think and you kind of can get a sense of that too because it's described in the book that and Laura Jean were friends previously so there's Mm -hmm. obviously some commonality there 
in their personality, even though they were younger, like obviously, not obviously, but usually you gravitate towards people who are like you. It's interesting now as Peter Kay's relationship with Lara Jean develops and you see differences between um, Lara Jean and his relationship as opposed to Jen. I mean, you don't really have a lot to work with with Jen, but a lot of people I feel like in the beginning would make the assumption and Lara Jean probably made the assumption that like Peter Kay and Jen were just like super hot. They both like had sex all the time. And like it really <laughs> wasn't anything more than that. Cause like you look at these two popular people and you're like, oh, a beautiful couple. They just do whatever. And I don't know if they really care about each other, but they're just doing them. Even in once the relationship between Jen and Peter ends, Peter's kind of always there for Jen, generally, just because they've been there for each other like that in the past. But it just shows that he is more than just this jock stud who's like looking to get it. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then talking about Peter Kay's and Lara Jean's relationship, the next kind of point in the book that we wanted to highlight is Lara Jean's love letter to Peter, which is just so sweet and so beautiful. And I think we we talk about in our personal lives, Danielle, wanting this type of Peter K character. Yes, Peter K has his flaws, but like that notion of Peter K represents like an all around good is something mm-hmm. that like you always want. And I, the way that Lara Jean describes Peter in her love letter to him her first one I just want to point out one quote you probably make her feel very special because that's your talent right you're good at making people feel special and that's hits home with I feel like a similar aspect of all my crushes is that they've made me feel special in some way and like I really hone on to that and like having friends make you feel special is equally as lovely but there's something about for me about a romantic interest making me feel special that just hits home of this insecurity about wanting to be desired and not being popular or viewed as the conventionally pretty girl and like something fills that type of it is this like when a crush makes me feel special it makes me feel like oh I'm not such an other or outcast and like I am I don't know, I don't want to say I'm desired, but you know, it's kind of nice and kind of not, I don't want to say a virtual stranger, but someone who don't really know you as well as like your best, best friends kind of makes you feel that way. I'm just, I don't know. I just feel like hot, warm, like goosebumps all over my body when I just read this pure, innocent, like love. For yeah. Me. Yeah. And like kind of bouncing off that, like, yeah, it could be like a stranger or like not, I'm just someone who like, I do from afar or like even if it's someone you're like friendly with and it's just it is exciting and exhilarating to kind of just test those waters and like I mean have these crushes like everything again as you get older like things are heightened still and like you'll read into things and it is exciting and like you'll remember the little details at least I do and like I'll be like oh like read into everything so I'll be like "They, (laughs) they sent me this and they thought of me or like oh they said I looked cute here and it's just like it just feels good and like obviously if like it's good to be desired yeah that's really the end of it and like crushes are just exciting because you don't know if they like you back the prospect of them possibly liking you back and trying to scavenger hunt trying to find like these little signs (laughs) and signals that they do like you back is just fun 
yeah, I thought that was really a really positive takeaway uh, about the excitement of crushes that Izzy took from <laughs> the letter. Um, but I kind of honed in on Largene's letter to Peter Kay um, in reference to her first kiss because Peter, Jean would say, took that away from her. <laughs> um, and she says my first kiss was supposed to be something special I've read about it what it's supposed to feel like fireworks and lightning bolts and the sound of waves crashing in your ears I didn't have any of that ellipsis uh, <laughs> the worst part of it is that stupid nothing kiss is what made me start liking you uh, I never did before and that really just hit me um, because I have always held these firsts, um, like I wanted to remember it. I wanted my first kiss to be with like a first boyfriend or like the start of a relationship with someone, you know, and I got to college. Yeah, it was a college. No shame. <laughs> I don't care. Um, and my kiss was like in the bottom of a frat house, like at a party and it was not memorable. It was not really special. After that, like I became invested in this boy and like tail spinned out and it is what it is. And just goes to show that you never think will have an impact on you kind of do. And your first might not be special in the way you want it to, but that's not to say your seconds or thirds or fourths can't be just as special. Um, Izzy and I have explained our relationship um, experience is rather limited um, <laughs> so I will not say I've kissed many a boys and I would only say that one of the experiences was memorable uh made me feel special and like while that didn't really pan out the way I would want it to again my specialness being like I want to kiss someone and then they'd be my boyfriend um, and like that but it was nice and I do look on that and I have no regrets. So it's just nice to mm -hmm. maybe have moments you didn't expect them to end out how you wanted to, but like in that moment, it was perfect. Yeah, I feel like I missed this because I never had this with any of my uh, people that I've kissed. Uh, I was, my first kiss was, I was 16 at the school function dance. Didn't even know the guy that I made out with. Uh, and my friend just kind of pushed me to do it to get it over with. I don't think he stole my first kiss. I just think that, uh, I mean, I can relate to like, it didn't feel special at all because my friend was just kind of like, like, and then my friend was like, yeah. you know, Wait, how old were you? When was, was this? I was 16. Ooh, um, saucy. <laughs> grinding on this guy in the dark. And she told me, she was like, for it and I was like okay you know I at this point I felt like I was like old and I felt like I needed to just get it over with but I think what I admire about Laura Jean is like her wanting to have these special moments and experiencing the notion that like my first kiss wasn't special but I didn't build it up in my head I just I don't even know if I wish that I had waited for a first kiss but I went to an all-girls school so I don't even know if that was like a possibility for me to meet someone yeah uh, I just, I just think that so endearing. It's kind of like, oh, I hate you, but I'm so attracted to you. Or, yeah. Like, how dare you like, kiss me with those boy lips and those make me feel these girl emotions or not girl emotions, but making me feel these emotions with your boy lips or whatever. Yeah. I think it's it is so funny. Cute. The contrast. I it is. Think it's yeah. so cute. It is cute. And it's, so you see the relationship between her and Peter develop and then she gets another chance at having special moments and kisses. Oh, uh, hot tub action. Yes, we'll get, 
the hot tub was saucy. I enjoyed that. Uh, <laughs> that that I will say, like that, I don't think have been experienced in my oh, book no. yet. Okay, we are hopeful. Um, one good experience under my belt, I guess. I always the one thing I want to add about that though is I think it's funny to think back on these moments and cringe, but also think back and like that one moment was nice. But I detailed on my little note sheet with Izzy that like. I was straight up like sitting on a railing on like this beach thing and I could have like straight up fallen off and like drastically <laughs> hurt myself but like I didn't even think about it in the moment because you want to know what? whatever YOLO anyway wait wait this was in the frat house right no uh that was that the frat house was the first kiss this was the fourth kiss <laughs> <laughs> oh okay well yeah we won't go into more detail about that, but that's the that's the one special one I have under my belt. I like to talk about it because it makes me feel okay. <laughs> okay. Um, this next kind of quote is yours. Yes. Okay. So this next quote, um, it is when Peter Kay and Lara Jean first establish their contract to kind of pretend be dating because uh, Lara Jean wants to pretend to date Peter Kay to save face uh, telling Josh about her previous dash current feelings about him because it's a sticky situation. He's neighbor, family friend, ex-boyfriend of her sister, Margot. And jo- not Josh, Peter Kay decides to on this as well uh, because he's trying to make Jen jealous, his current girlfriend that at that point he wanted to get back with and Lara Jean says first I'm cute in a quirky way now I'm a funny girl I know what that means um in response to what Peter K says about her um when he's saying like oh like I think you're like a cute kind like in a quirky way but like I'm not like into you like that jazz kind of um solidifying that he doesn't see her in any romantic light and I feel like this hits a brand uh, close to my heart because this is something that I am seen as by a lot of people kind of I always tell this to Izzy um, when I'm talking about my love life I kind of feel like I'm always the funny best friend sidekick in a rom-com and I'm not the main protagonist at least in a love aspect side best friend is always described as like oh she's quirky and cute but like boyfriend is she dating anyone is she seeing anyone like no like everyone wants to be your friend but you're not no one wants to date you kind of thing yeah I think this connotes a different type of otherness that I don't think Danielle really can relate to because perspective of only like her personality traits but her identity her social identity Jean, is biracial and I am as well and this type of otherness with these subtle digs and whether that's in a romantic sense and in like a life sense it's like I know all the signs you know the cues you know the experience and I just want to say also I'm very white passing but there are still types of statements that are said to me in terms of my biracialness that kind of put me in this other position and also being biracial I have a mix of Hispanic and white features and that type of which is not the standard of beauty you're not like the super hot beautiful typically blonde white girl and I feel like some that that is also something people other people can relate to but I feel like mm-hmm. with Lara Jean like this type of like girl like I know what that means I can never be like the main lead in this even my own story like yeah. I'm not the main girl and it's just 
have to be that way. It's just because society has painted me this way and I'm not blonde, popular, like cheerleader. Like Mm -hmm. I like to wear funny shirts and I'm like half white and in her case, half Korean. And I think Jenny Honda has a perfect way of kind of saying that. It's like like heartbreaking because it resonates so well with me that like, um, Mm -hmm. just not being chosen because of something you can't control. You can't control your race, your appearances, your features, uh, you know, and it's like the only thing you can really control, at least specifically for Laura Jean is, and like me, is like our personalities. And even when that's not enough, like then what is yeah. there? You know, and that's what sucks about mm-hmm. it is just like wrong, inherently wrong with being the funny girl. But when there's this system in place where the funny girl is not valued enough in society, mm-hmm. that takes a toll. And that's what's so frustrating because funny girls are freaking beautiful and should be celebrated. Yeah. And not and that, yeah. And that's not to say like if you are a listener and you are like the stereotypical society version of pretty or like an attractive personality, like you're great too. Like everyone's great. It's just all subconsciously have these bias things about us, I guess, that we find attractive. And it's just yeah, it's heartbreaking and like one doesn't like you back and you kind of get responses like this, like, oh, I think you're great and like you're funny. And like, yeah, I think you're cute or smart or like whatever, but, and it's always like the big, but, and you're like, okay, like I wasn't good enough for X, Y, and Z. And then you feel like there are things you should change about yourself and you either can't or like you shouldn't want to, like, that's what makes you, you and like. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's this notion of just like wanting to fit in and wanting to be desired. And for me growing up, I felt like the only thing I really could control was my like I couldn't really control my looks because my mom was very strict on how I dressed and appeared I really couldn't control like my my status my socioeconomic status all that but what I could control is my personality and it's like I said when that isn't enough it's just like then I will never be enough in your eyes or society's eyes and I think that mm-hmm. notion of like being chosen not being enough it's just so it's when in a negative way it's just so freaking hard yeah and when you're the one like as a reader looking in on Lara Jean and like you see yourself in her but you also just see how great she is as a character and you're like I don't want you to feel this way like you should know how great you are and but then you see in your own life like I reflect back on times I've been like wow like enough or like I wasn't good enough or like I this right or like uh this is weird about me or like I shouldn't have worn that I don't know whatever goes through my mind I'm like why myself and I'm like why did I think that about myself like I should just be doing what I want and if people don't like me of how I am then I don't want them around you know yeah I think I can see this equally as heartbreaking for Lara Jean because she's I feel like this is where she's just starting to to this deal with Peter Kay and she's obviously very insecure about it because Peter Kay is so popular and she's never people are gonna be like they're never gonna believe like me playing Lara Jean is gonna be uh, Peter Kay would be into me and so I think that it just shows this and this type of insecurity that follows her throughout the book I feel like she kind of grows out of not grows out of but kind of it's quelled a little by her relationship with Peter Kay I just think that and then I think she she does grow into her own though on her own, and I think her sister mm-hmm. Margot moving to college, like far away, forced her to kind of do this introspective journey. Oh, so, next quote is Izzy's. 
Okay, here's our spring of the beautiful John Ambrose McLaren. My favorite, I, um, one of my favorite characters, I think. He, he appears in the second, he's mentioned in the first book, he appears more overtly in the second book. Love him so much. Uh, okay. So the quote is talking about kind of that John Ambrose McLaren was one of the recipients of her love letters and believe in this portion of the book calling him she she knows she's not going to but that's kind of like what the context is so the quote is it was the promise of maybe maybe one day i think john ambrose mclaren must be the one that got away actually a little bit of the pages that follow she goes on saying that night i'm lying in bed thinking about john it's fun to think of the what ifs scary but fun it's like the thought this door was closed before but here it is open just the tiniest crack what if and i think that kind of is a portion of unrequited love is this notion of the one that got away and i love this because i always feel like i'm the one that got away for most crushes even though i don't know who's ever had a crush on me or my crushes have ever reciprocated those feelings think that plays into this notion of like crushes have developed is like having a crush on this person and then your mind going haywire with consumption of them and like fictional idealized version of this and your relationship I think kind of John Ambrose McLaren you'll learn later on it, he's not but I feel like for this position right now where Laura Jean is she's very much like what if like we have this I could have this relationship with John Ambrose McLaren and he'd be the one that got away like kind of spiraling this fictionalized relationship with him for sure and like the one that got away by Katy Perry on the iconic <laughs> teenage dream album teenage dream. <laughs> um yeah I mean when I read this I had kind of the same thought uh pattern as Izzy with the what ifs like um idealize and have all these dreams about you like when it's kind of unconfirmed how they feel about you and you kind of when it's hopeful and like still looking kind of hopeful or like you're hanging on to every little thing they do and you're making up like this whole little baby relationship in your head and like how great it could be under the assumption that everything like you're hoping for and dreaming for like comes true and if they like you back of course John Ambrose McLaren she liked when she was in middle school like she hasn't known him since but she's still fantasizing about him at 16 years old things she did know about him mm -hmm. and like the possibility of her liking her back one of my favorite sentiments or thoughts that phrase where it's like oh like when you're looking at someone through rose colored tinted glasses flags just look like flags mm -hmm. and in this case it's like those tinted glasses like all the good things about people and all the reasons they could like you and all the great things that could happen they know if they like you back you don't know if you'd work out well like you could say you both like each other and then it's an absolute train wreck like you're making this mm -hmm. whole fantasy in your head and yeah. it kind of wonder this fog of feelings idealizing people a little tricky and then you make this fantasy become fulfilled and they're the one that got away you're still left thinking like, oh, what, what? could have been? But like, what yeah. could have been could have been bad or it could have yeah. been great. Like, you'll never know. So yeah, yeah, I know. I agree. And I think that, I mean, I just, it's just like so sad because I'm, we're similar people in the time to see that we do like the what ifs a lot, like mm -hmm. even in our like non-romantic lives, like our life life. But now what if Lodge Jean ended up with John Ambrose McLaren and not Peter Kay? I mean, I'm a very strong advocate for John Ambrose McLaren. Um, 
I just love that my boy like he's so cute and so sweet and so I think it's more like the manners thing for me um, but yeah I don't know it's just maybe I had to I had to include my I, we had to include our little sprig of uh, John Ambrose McLaren I am a Peter K stand till the end so we are at the last quote everyone um so this is when Jean is fully realizing her true feelings for Peter K. She's all invested in him. She has come to the realization that she does love him. Um, previously in the book, she had an encounter with Josh where they kissed um, and she realized she didn't really feel anything for him um, in a romantic sense. And this is kind of her way of, I guess, analyzing the differences between the two and recognizing what real love is after she's been through these experiences throughout the book. And she says, I think I see the difference now between loving someone from afar and loving someone up close. When you see them up close, you see the real them, but they also get to see the real you. Love is scary. It changes. It can go away. That's part of the risk. And I think this is just like a beautiful way to tie up the book. It's like right at the end, Lara Jean's about to write Peter a real love letter. Um, they're going to go be together. Oh. Peter K. Stan. Um. Okay, I want to say like, I am a Peter K. Stan, but I just think it could go either way for me. Peter K. or John Ambrose McLaren. I always like to root for the underdog. I hate the, I always, in every book series, every book I've ever read, I always start rooting for like the unpopular relationships. So and that's just me personally. Cause I always feel like I'm an unpopular relationship choice. So <laughs> I think what we admire about Laura Teen so much, especially, I mean, more, what I admire about her is that she takes the risk that I have never took, you know, she took that yeah. Um, but also like in in the context where she had a guy who actually liked her back <laughs> yeah but, she got the confirmation really she before she took the race yeah but which is the, different yeah which is different but I think it's just such a beautiful sentiment of just like taking that risk and I think I kind of I don't want to say I would have should have when I was younger but I feel like taking more risks is not like I can try to emulate in my own life and mm-hmm. I think also this notion of when you see them up close, they see the you see the real dad, but they also get to see the real you, and that's the, the seeing the real me is always like the issue because, as mentioned before, someone who's not very popular in terms of society standing and who was very outcasted as a youth, uh, seeing the real me has always led me to some sort of pain or hurt. So like that shit is scary and yeah. why I feel like I always crush from afar because of my like never been chosen never been desired sort of feelings and experiences like this scene the real them I've, you know it's not going to be a positive uh situation for my mind but I feel like that shouldn't stop me or someone else experiencing similar things yeah. to take that risk because one day it will work. And that's like I will the find thing. my Peter K. Yes. Ambrose McLaren hybrid. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think the other beautiful thing about this and that I can personally relate to and why I picked it is like, again, um, some of my unrequited feelings have been just because I never said anything and the fantasy you make of someone from like afar and not really knowing what pursuing a romantic relationship would be like with them is like alluring in itself. And she loved, liked Josh from afar. And then she got a taste of it and realized that's not what she wanted. Because, mm-hmm. like, it didn't, her fantasy version was not what it was. And then, like, 
she thought with Peter, like she liked him way back when, but then she always thought he was kind of like this kind of jock guy and like, it wasn't going to work. And again, like she put herself in this box and him in a box of like, he's popular. I'm not, I'm quirky. I'm cute. Like this is fake. It's not real. It's not going to happen. Um, but they got to know each other and they did end up falling for each other. And like, that just goes to show like, if you don't take the chance and kind of count yourself out before it even starts and like you hand yourself rejection before you even try, like what kind of a life is that? Like you'll never have any answers and like, at least you can say you tried then yeah. keep having these lingering question marks in your life. And like, I'm a hypocrite cause <laughs> I haven't taken many of these leaps, but I think my lesson learned now that I want to implement, especially with the start of this podcast and looking over this book again is taking the leap more and trusting myself and not counting myself out before um, I even try. Yeah. Other takeaways do you have from this book and Lara Jean's experience with love and relationship that you kind of want to um, take away into your personal life or go forth yeah. in wisdom? Yes. Uh, so like I said, obviously, um, don't count yourself out before you try. And I touched on the boxes um, with LJ and Peter um, and coming up with these false notions and just like trying to stop myself before I'm like, they won't like me because X, Y, and Z. Maybe turn around the narrative and be like, they could like me because X, Y, and Z. Or just stay neutral. Just yeah. stay neutral and just see I think what happens. Just coast. <laughs> yes, just coast. I always say I'm gonna coast, and then like I freak out and I text Izzy or call her, and I'm like, ah, and she's like, no, where's it? Just coasting. But this time we're actually gonna coast. Um, and the other takeaway is like, I love, I love, 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 love Largine's letters. I think it's such a great idea. Um, in college, I started journaling myself. Um, I'm now on my third journal, almost done. Um, and I've always been an overthinker. I replay scenes like in my head, things that have happened, things that have not happened. I, I try to calculate every scenario. As I said, I don't like to leave any stone unturned when I'm thinking of how things can pan out. Um, so I would just like to keep continuing with this journal um maybe use it for more of my feelings and talking about what's going on in my life because right now I kind of use it to be like so this happened this happened this happened in more of a catalog mm -hmm. and trying to be more vulnerable with how I feel in it so then maybe in my real life in discussions with people I will be more open about talking about my feelings and not be as scared <laughs> yes beautiful yay claps and snaps so, so yeah, for my takeaways, um, kind of going off that journaling, I'm never one to journal my emotions. I usually just write a lot of fan fiction. I'm going to be honest here, oh, but creatively, but I feel like I've been writing a lot more and just this, I think what Laura Jean uses journaling and writing love letters as like a coping mechanism and for all these all-consuming emotions and trying to emulate that, especially with someone with OCD that leads to a lot of thoughts swirling around in her head and just needing to get out that trying to add that into my life would be I feel like would be beneficial and may, you know maybe I'll start writing love letters to the crushes that I have and should make all the workplace uncomfortable <laughs> not gonna lie uh after I read this book I did write one letter um I think I still have it uh I think it's in my garage and I low-key think it's 
it's up for grabs and I have a fear that someone in my house might have read it but it's okay <laughs> that's fine um that's what you know maybe I'll write my own love letter I never send it out but you know as long as I get the emotions out there you know maybe yeah. it's some, maybe my fictional someone will come and send it out to, I don't know okay I digress so also my sec I kind of just always admire Laura Jean about wanting to save her first and special moments for someone special and I just don't want to forget this because I think it's super important for, especially for me who feels so insecure about kind of her progress romantically and her progress in life that just savoring these special moments and like don't feel the peer pressure to advance in some sort of way due to like society and cultural norms and like that goes up for anybody who's potentially listening and like like oh ashamed like oh I haven't had a partner or I haven't had a first kiss like don't feel ashamed that you haven't made that sort of experience yet and you should try to make it special if you want I mean you should try to savor these special moments and that's what I'm going to try to do even if it's just like hanging out with a friend just those small moments and that just try to savor them more and make them special because I think that's important and something that I kind of missed out with my first kiss is I wasn't special and I kind of I'm now I'm waiting for that first special kiss and I mean you know I mean pandemic I'm not kissing anyone except uh the incentive on mask but (laughs) yes I love that though but yeah (laughs) positive takeaways yes okay so this kind of wraps up the first episode um looking at to all the boys of love before and we will be back with episode two uh yeah so please episode two like we'll coming at you yeah like um comment subscribe yeah we'll be making social channels so you could comment dm us let us know if there's anything we could like improve on um book requests anything we're open to it so hit us up Um, And we're excited to hear from you. And we're so happy you decided to listen to us today. Yes, thank you. And goodbye.